Lots of new housing with more space. Lots of new housing with more space. I'll get the terrace apartment. Better get rid of your accent. Life can be bright in America. If you can fight in America. Life is all right in America. If you're all white in America. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 76 of Vague Zone. I am Daniel. I'm Thomas. And today we are discussing two more Oscar Best Picture nominees. Uh, This week we are discussing West Side Story from Steven Spielberg and Drive My Car from Yusuke Hamaguchi. Um, So before we get into it, um, we're going to start with West Side Story. Yeah. Uh, Before we get into it, Thomas, will you read for us the IMDb synopsis? Yeah, absolutely. West Side Story 2021, directed by Steven Spielberg. An adaptation of the 1957 musical West Side Story explores forbidden love and the rivalry between the Jets and the Sharks, two teenage street gangs of different ethnic backgrounds. All right. And it's also a remake of sort of basically not so much of the movie, but I guess, yeah. I mean, it started as a stage show and then stage show but yeah you gotta include the 61 version sort of in the conversation because we have an actress from that movie sort of showing up and so have yeah. you seen the original or the the 76 or wait the 67 sorry <laughs> what is it uh 61 <laughs> um, uh you look that up but yeah so my relation to that is sort 61. of weird so um yeah so we met at cinema collective and so for the remake of film contest one year i picked that as the as the movie and so i went back and i tried to watch the entire thing but honestly couldn't i think i got like halfway through it because i was at least back then young and dumb i was like oh fuck musicals the south park musical is the only good musical i'm gonna listen to but i just was not into what west side story was back then so i watched half of it made the remake Mm -hmm. and it was just us snapping in the sf state uh, garage just like (laughs) yeah Historic. I miss those contests so much. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I haven't fully watched it until a couple days ago, and I sat down, I watched uh, Spielberg's version, and then I was like, I really want to just go back and just see if I yeah. can get through the 61 version I did. And, and I actually enjoyed them both for very different reasons, but, yeah, this one, I feel like it's just such a, a step up in just so many different ways. I think the... The new one? Of, yeah, yeah. Okay. At least that's how I feel. I didn't okay, think that's what you're asking. I haven't seen the original, so I'm, I'm gotcha. just putting it out there. I I have not seen the original. This that's is the totally only one I've fine. seen. That's uh, totally fine. So yeah, I'm curious to know. Yeah. So yeah, why did you see this as a step up? So the original is like really great, and I think there's a lot of good qualities to it. Um, I'm not like into show tunes in particular, and some of these songs I'm like just as many times as I would like to get into them, they, they stick into my mind, so they get stuck into my mind against my will. Like songs mm-hmm. like "I Feel Pretty" or like uh, like the intro Jet song, which is like really off kilter. I'm just like not quite into it musically, but other songs are just like fantastic, like Mambo or like America or uh, just the Tonight mix when they're all doing it together is, is just really catchy stuff. And so I like, I like, I'm like, God damn it, I'm like reluctantly falling in love with this musical. But yeah, the original is like shot on the soundstage and like they're clearly like there's not a lot of like uh, Puerto Rican actors in this. Yeah. I, I'm, <laughs> so it's like it lacks a little bit of authenticity when they're trying to do this whole tragic story between like oh yeah it's like uh this polish guy in the jets and it's like this white gang and it's like this puerto rican girl they fall in love love at first sight and it just all falls apart immediately and so this version has so much more uh just vibrancy from the world around it and the original is more just like the choreography in the original is just so great hmm. riff is like doing backflips and shit at the school dance okay like, it's just yeah like... i did see a small <laughs> section of it and i was immediately uh impressed with riff <laughs> like yeah he's like like pole like doing uh flips over a pole and shit like that yeah it might just be a different era just more people just being into choreography and dance and just stage plays in the 60s maybe i think that sort of ties into it but just when they go all out in the 60s version it's just really great to see them dancing but i think that's like the best part about it everything else i'm just like i get really bored um well, there's the one song that I just I do not like. It's uh, like my hand 
uh, a one hand one heart is when they're singing and like they're inside the church. it's just like i'm i'm not into it there's like they're it's too falsetto too like kind of high pitched for me i just like I don't know. I'm not into it, but the Spielberg version, I think, is firing on all cylinders. I think it's really great. I think it's a fantastic remake. This is sort of like a passion project that he has wanted to do for a while, and I think it really shows. And there's a lot of changes that are made that I think are really good and really beneficial. And uh, sort of, I think this movie sort of aligns with the Puerto Ricans just from the very start, and the fact that they, they're yeah. the first ones to sing. They're like, it, like they go, like the jets are going through and like stealing supplies to paint over the Puerto Rican flag. It like it just, yeah. it just feels <laughs> like, like the revolution is like within it so much. And like, yeah, the shots of yeah New York are really interesting. Like his like bombed out like these places are just like being demolished but they're fighting over like scraps and it's just i don't know there's just so much going on that it's like it's great what do you think about it uh, I, I was yeah, going so on for a while I, sorry i feel like i'm probably going to be a lot more critical um Go for I, it. so this is the only this is the only version of west side story i've seen and kind of like right out of the gate i was like i'm not into this like <laughs> i i think a lot of so I'm not going to say like, oh, I'm against musicals or I don't have, pro- I, or I have a problem with musicals. Uh, well, it's just, I th- okay, I do have a problem with musicals. Yeah, that's fair. It, it's I, that a lot of the music driving these sounds very similar. It's all of the same genre most, most of the time. Um, yeah, and yeah. if you're not a fan of that genre, which I am not, then the music isn't going to click with you. So like I've said, I said it during our Evangelion episode. It's like that ends with the movies end with a song that I just like couldn't yeah. get into. I'm very like picky about like what I'll get on board with uh, musically. Yeah, um, totally. So yeah, if I'm not a fan of the music, then it's just not going to work for me. Um, so like right out of the gate, I was having a hard time. I, I was thinking <laughs> to myself, like, why does this need to be a musical? <laughs> uh, yeah, I was yeah. also wondering why make this movie now? Um, like it's so this was probably in production in 2020 uh i know it got pushed back the pushed back a lot but um yeah the whole time i was watching it i was just like why make this movie now because this movie starts with this like white supremacist gang going and like <laughs> vandalizing a puerto rican flag and then they start singing and dancing yeah <laughs> and it's yeah. like this it's like making a movie about the proud boys or something um it is very interesting because like oh shit like there's no really like it's very clear cut who you're supposed to align with and in yeah, the original absolutely. it's like in the original it's like you just spend most of the screen time with the jets and just like you're just hanging out with all of those actors and them just like being really suspicious and just being really hateful and just being like we don't want these puerto ricans here we don't they, they don't belong it's just all of that same similar rhetoric and so you're here it's just it looks just looks really great but yeah it's a similar shit or it's just they fucking hate each other and i just don't it doesn't work for me seeing these like villains who are truly despicable singing and sing and dance <laughs> like it it just doesn't work for me you know um, like when the puerto ricans start singing they do their little puerto rican like sort of like group song at the beginning I oh, thought so that was, that, that so that was weird too because it's like they start singing and then one of the jets maybe riff someone says like or, may, or maybe it's even the cop someone says like yeah. oh we got a fighter and a singer so it's like okay so they know they're singing like we're yeah, establishing yeah. narratively in universe singing is real it's occurring it's not uh, a stylistic <laughs> yes. representation of like an internal emotional state like no they're actually singing and dancing um, yeah although it's not diegetic it's still like only once inside of the dance where it's like oh yeah the band is actually playing music which is a moment I love when the camera zooms in on the trumpet player because like in the original yes yeah, the music always just starts it comes it goes and it always like, yeah like we're just gonna stop talking about the guns and knives and we're just gonna do cartwheels and stuff for four minutes and so yeah it is like you gotta suspend the belief and just be like okay this is just what that genre is and how they express themselves through that yeah and so so yeah right out of the gate i have a problem with it just wondering like why does this make sense as something to as a movie to make in 2020 or 2021 or 2022 like whenever the production actually took place because like considering you know our political climate people immigrants being yelled uh build the wall at and like people being told to go back where they came from and it's like why do we need this movie 
<laughs> about a gang, a white supremacist gang attacking some Puerto Ricans. And look, I know they're supposed to be the villains, but like it's <laughs> it's hard for me to like take them seriously as villains when they're singing and dancing. Um, and it's also like, and then we have to do the Romeo and Juliet story of like, well, one of them is reformed and like he's he no longer agrees with those people and he's able to uh, overcome it through the power of romance. And but it's like. Uh, it's it's yeah. really messy with the way that ends <laughs> with like what uh what tony ends up doing and uh yeah. the way him and maria the relationship sort of uh develops and concludes it's kind of it's kind of messy within that political context yeah um, yeah there's some weird stuff like i could hear the there's a moment where um our tony like does like a nice little like spanish fake accent with the like the character valentina inside the store and she's like don't make fun of how i talk and i'm just like no really he shouldn't be fucking doing that like that like that wasn't in the original that that's just something that that's something i think <laughs> that's just something that they had that that was fucking funny but yeah i'm just like i don't know i'm i'm sort of with you on that yeah i feel like the love story here is it's just very fucking flimsy because yeah it's like they meet they like they start kissing immediately and then like the brother gets killed and then yeah, they he, hook up. Okay, yeah. Spoilers <laughs> for West Side Story. But it's like, been yeah, out for... He kills, yeah. he kills her brother. Spoilers and then, for Romeo and Juliet. Uh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's like they're taking other liberties. They're like changing other things here. But like, true, anyway, true. But like Tony kills her brother and then she says something along the lines of, I'll never forgive you for letting them take you from me to Tony. Yeah. Like, that's what she's not going to forgive him for? Like... yeah. And then yeah, she like throws herself at him, and they sleep together that night. And she killed his brother, or he yeah, killed her brother. Uh, <laughs> I'm with you. Yeah, it's 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 really it's really shallow and it's really weak. And I think yeah, it's just uh, Spielberg sort of just being. I think he's elevating things that are like there and within the sort of struggle that I think are like nicely done. Like there's this moment where they're inside of the basement. And he's uh, Riff is trying to get. Um, trying to get Tony to join the join the Jets again. And he says, um, like, all the dust that was covering everything right now is from the four-story buildings that fell while you were gone. I think there's just, like, some really good lines in this movie that just, like, just are not... I don't think they're... I haven't read the original stage play, but I've watched the movie, and I was just like, they're not in the 61 version. I think Spielberg is doing his, at least some due diligence to sort of, uh, to sort of make this... Uh, relevant for the modern audiences and I, uh, yeah like, it is like pretty sappy of a love story but I think there are moments that like come through in the screenplay where I think there's it's doing some some work so there's this idea in this movie that is kind of uh that is new to this one that wasn't in the old one this is something that Emily pointed out to me is that early on in the movie went after I think it's after the Jets have their song they, when they first have their encounter with the Puerto Ricans and like the cop interrupts everything the cop starts telling them about how, uh, you know, developers are going to come in, uh, rich whites are going to come in, push push out the poor whites, and the Puerto Ricans are going to become their doormen or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And so it, it feels like it's trying to say it's trying to position the Puerto Ricans and the Jets. Uh, what are the what's the Puerto Rican group called? They have they have their sharks. The sharks. The, the sharks. sharks. It's trying to position the sharks and the Jets as like having this common enemy, right? Um, yeah, which yeah. is like development <laughs> and gentrification, I guess. Um, but if anything, and like this is new to this movie, I guess. And it feels like if anything, what this is doing is it's reinforcing that the Jets are completely fucking wrong and like that yeah, their motivations yeah. are completely fucking stupid. Yeah, um, and that's why it's great we get so much more like, uh, I'm pretty sure, yeah, so much more spoken Spanish in this movie without subtitles, which is a strong decision. Spielberg said that he didn't want to give yeah. power to the English over the Spanish. So just yeah, I thought that was Spanish pretty cool. Yeah. yeah, like I think that's really great. And also like, yeah, just like going back to that opening scene, there's this, <laughs> so many great lines in that I just want to point out. There's one where uh, the cop, uh, I think it's Corey Stoll, he goes, um, he's like, tell me who did this baby John, I'll put him out of circulation. I just think, like, this is, like, a great, like, just a, a nice, just spicy kind of line. And then there, a little bit later, he calls him, like, you guys are the last of the can't-make-it-Caucasians. And yeah. I think that just, like, sort of, it does sort of level the playing field, and it gets reinforced later when, like, all of the Jets are inside of the uh, 
uh, Officer Krupke's office and they're doing their whole little dance routine in there, which I really enjoyed because I think it's just a nice moment that sort of just condenses it because, yeah, in the original, there's just so much more. And I think it's nice to just kind of whittle it down to just a couple of numbers. But, yeah, I think there is something building up in there and there are a lot of new ideas that I think bring out a lot to what is in the source material. But, yeah. It, it is messy and it is like it moves very fast and the love story just kind of gets swept up in this big racial this big race war essentially yeah um so yeah i've talked a lot of i've criticized a lot <laughs> I'll, I'll talk about some things that i really did enjoy um okay by the time we get to the america song and the yeah. song and dance that was like I was like, "Holy shit! I'm watching a fucking I'm watching a fucking movie. <laughs> like, this yeah, is a movie yeah. ass fucking movie. I should be in a theater seeing this. I, it was really unfortunate that I was sitting at home watching it. Um, totally. And yeah, I absolutely love that scene. Um, I, you know, like I said early on in the movie, I was wondering to myself, like, why is this? Why does this have to be a musical? Like, that's one of the things that you have to ask yourself anytime you're making a piece of art. It's like, why does this have to be whatever medium that it is? Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, like, when we get the America scene, and then when we get the climax, where all these different songs that we've heard throughout the movie are sort of intersecting and overlapping and becoming one big piece, yeah. that's that was fucking brilliant to me. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, like, there's some stuff in this movie that completely blew me away that I was totally on board with and totally impressed by. Like, my main gripe with it is just, like, it's just the question of why. Like, why does this exist in 2021? Yeah, and I think Spielberg is really, I think he's aware of, like, the criticism of, like, why is this, like, the story about the Jets and this guy from the Jets meeting Maria and falling in love. And I think it comes out with the fact that I I thought it was a very particular decision is that it's the Sharks is the the first group that starts to sing, the first, like, the first voices to initiate the musical part of this movie. And it's the fact that, they like, they have the biggest brightest set piece in the middle of the movie is the yeah. america part is the part where I, it's like all right spielberg's like okay like i'm gonna yeah pull the crane out and show you like this full new york city in the 61 version yeah there's all like on top of a rooftop essentially and it's just like rooftop with a couple of fences and then that's it but this is like we're just going through the streets and we're seeing this alive new york city and i think yeah just he he just probably just like you know i have this moment he's had this moment in his career where he just has the freedom to sort of uh, revisit this sort of classic idea and, and just be a little bit more critical, but sort of still fall in line, making a musical and do because you know he probably just loves these songs and just yeah. wants to, you know, do something. Um, I also really enjoyed the fight over the gun. Like that was you. You only get that movie. You only get that scene in a musical. Like that's like the choreography yeah. is incredible. That scene and like the use of space and like diving over the holes in the floor and all that stuff. Yeah, they um, get to show off their athleticism. Yeah, really it was nicely. it was like, it was like I was watching a martial arts movie for a second. Um, yeah. Also, I think that improves once again to echo myself again. In the '61 version, the, the, the Anita basically just says like, "Oh yeah, by the way, Chino has a gun." She they're talking about why this situation is dangerous. But here, I think it's a fucking really brilliant moment where the Jets they go to a bar and they're like talking to this Irish guy and this black guy and the Irish guy is kind of like talking. He's like, "Hey, look, I knew your dad," and he buys the gun and then it gets after the the stabbings occur after Riff gets stabbed and then Bernardo gets stabbed. Um, the gun gets picked up by Chino, and then that's used to to make the final uh, murder happen. And so I, I just think the way that it comes into the movie is also just much more well done and done in a, in a way with more care and more thought. And yeah. I think it, I think even the way that the musical plays into the movie, like in the beginning, like the flicking of the, the Zippo lighter and the screeching of the cars is all aligned with the, the soundtrack. And like there's even a great moment when all the jets are done singing and uh, Riff throws the can across the screen and then Tony catches it in the next scene. It's just like, they're, they're like they're mm, elastic yeah. they're having fun they're just like okay like this is a musical this is free form like this is just gonna be like i don't know he's he's having a lot of fun i think that is a, a key to it i don't know um, I, I was into it after sort of watching the 61 version i was much more warmed up to these songs and this sort of concept yeah i did watch the jet song from the 61 version and then a- after watching this one and it was interesting because 
the Jets in the 61 version are just so unintimidating. Like, because <laughs> in this new one, like, they take up a ton of space. Man. <laughs> like, yeah, they're, yeah. like, marching all over the city, and they feel like this menace. Versus in the 61 version, I think they walk through a basketball court. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. that's it. <laughs> like, they, they don't... They, it feels like eight dudes going for a walk, like, versus, you know troubles come in like like in the in the spielberg one we're getting people were like reaction shots of like people like watching them and like looking at them and yeah, wondering like yeah. what the fuck is going on with these guys and so it's like helping build this uh the intensity uh, of the, the gang <laughs> this is a great moment where they're like walking by it's like two black kids like drawing on the chalk on the ground and the parents just like pick them up and pull them out of the way as the jets are walking by it's just yeah. like it's get these kids out of the way yeah uh yeah it's just yeah spielberg understands spectacle and how to do it big and i think yeah i was thinking a lot about ready player one which i'm gonna probably talk about towards the tail end of the episode mm. but i watched okay. that right after watching this because i was um a little bit rough like i haven't caught up on my recent spielberg movies and yeah this felt something like felt something different and special as opposed to i don't know i don't know this is it's a very strange movie yeah to like remake uh, a musical that was already like a very classic film but also do it in a way that's like critical but also just like celebratory for what yeah. it, for what it is exactly for what it is yeah um what do you think of tony and maria are ansel elgort and rachel zegler um i think maria is great um i think uh uh ansel elgort is okay um <laughs> <laughs> um, I like I want to like him but I just I, I don't know I'm just not crazy about him so I think he, he does a good job I think everyone else in this cast is just doing far, just doing great and so I think he is just doing okay and I think that's why he kind of stands out hmm. yeah, yeah the scene the scene where he finds out the news is like um, he's doing some weird stuff with his face in that <laughs> one. okay yeah I yeah Ansel Elgort I feel like didn't really do much for me i'm not convinced that he is this uh dangerous legend that riff seems to build him up to be i'm not convinced that he could take bernardo who we've been told is like an actual experienced boxer <laughs> in a fight um, yeah bernardo's like ripped <laughs> although you know they keep building the legend like ansel Elgort, you know t tony oh we need tony we wouldn't need a gun if we had tony uh and he spent time in in jail in prison or whatever so maybe he got yeah. hardened there but uh, yeah, I wasn't totally convinced in that fight. Um, I think Rachel Zegler as Maria. Uh, the only thing that bothered me there is it just felt v her singing felt very auto-tuned. Uh, it uh, it hmm. felt okay. a little inhuman to me the way they are like perfectly pitching her voice. But um, performance-wise, yeah, totally fine. Yeah, that sort of goes back to my original criticism. It's like, if I hadn't watched this movie, uh, the West Side Story whole thing, if I hadn't listened to the soundtrack like three times at this point, I wouldn't be as nice to it. But yeah, these most of these songs, I'm just like not into them and just like don't like them musically. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, she's like doing the Disney princess thing where it's like, it's perfect. It's like high. I think falsetto was the word for it. I'm totally yeah. just terrible. I'm a person that makes music and terrible with these terms, but yeah, she, she's in the higher register where it's like it's angelic and it's 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 great. Like when they're doing their songs together and they're like perfectly harmonizing. I think it sounds nice, but yeah, there is a like it it is feels it's like, just like it's, it, so it's just too perfect <laughs> yeah yeah and like at first it's i was like oh wow she's she's really going for it and then i was it's like first oh wait movie, a minute yeah, <laughs> wait a minute first something movie, is awry. She's a perfect singer yeah she's going to be um she's going to be a disney princess in an upcoming snow movie. white yeah she's gonna be snow white oh all right uh any other thoughts on west side story uh, yeah, I think it's worth mentioning there's also an update of the whole character Anybody's who oh, is yeah, present anybody's. in the 61 version as just like a quote-unquote tomboy. But here, is, they're much more specific. They're like, this is a, a they-them character. And I think mm -hmm. that goes into what you mentioned, like, why make this now? And I think it's interesting that it exists in probably, yeah, the 57 version too. Where it's but like, then it's like, it's, we have this trans character who wants to be, who wants to join the white supremacist group. <laughs> <laughs> true. This is this is fucking true. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's like what I, that we, would have been ballsy. It's if like they, sure I, I we're like the other side. We're, we have this character present, but it's like what are we saying? <laughs> like she can throw. A, they, they can throw a punch. They can 
really know about it. Yeah, what is what are we saying? What are we saying with this character? That, that's that's true. That yeah, that is, that is a really good point. That is a really good point. Uh, and then like they and then it's not it's like it's not enough that they're white supremacists they also try and rape anita at the end <laughs> like yeah that but yeah there is the point where valentina calls them out and calls them yeah she calls them rapists, and hold yeah, out which is and, fucking yeah it's wild <laughs> but it's like yeah, wild I, that it's even happening in this movie uh yeah, it's a well. That's the thing. It's like yeah, what is happening in the '61 version? They're like playing a reprise of like music from the first, like early in the movie, and it's just like it doesn't feel good to be hearing callbacks to these whimsical songs while all the jets are like you know throwing around uh, Rita, Rita Marino. And so yeah. in this version, it's it. I think there's a lot more power to it, and a lot more thought to it to have that character be there to be like, hey, like I watched you grow in, from boys into rapists, and like yeah. the, like you disgust me. And I, th- I don't yeah. know. I think Spielberg knew it's like okay, like he, I think he made this because like yeah, like just ignore sixty one. It's like if you're gonna look at this, look at this in the most hyper critical way. But still, like there are gonna be some things that we're gonna let slide through, <laughs> which is clear. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I, I need to spend some more time thinking about that, I think. Um, I, I feel you. It, it is weird. It is a, a weird one. And they do change up a lot of stuff here. And I don't know. It does feel like... It, it, he, it is like his movie. It's like he's he's changing it enough to a point where it, does, it feels like Steven Spielberg's version of this specifically. Which, I don't know. Yeah. All right. Uh, should we move on to A Drive My Car? Absolutely. All right. Um, Do you want to read the synopsis for that one? Yes. Drive My Car 2021. Yasuke Hamaguchi. After his wife's unexpected death, Yasuke Kafuku, a renowned stage actor and director, receives an offer to direct a production of Uncle Vanya in Hiroshima. There he begins to face the haunting mysteries his wife left behind. So what did you think of Drive My Car? Um... So drive my car. Okay, so I gotta I gotta mention that I've been dealing with some back pain. I mentioned this before we started recording, yeah. but this is a three hour movie, and during w- the watching of this movie, I was laying on the ground, I was sitting in a chair, I was standing mm-hmm. up, I was walking in place, I was kneeling, gotcha. <laughs> I was like, I had to like shift, making it work. <laughs> sh- I had to like keep shifting to try. I was like doing like physical therapy stretches and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, so so it wasn't the ideal uh, watch situation for me. But um, yeah, sorry about I, this, that. But no, but no, no, it's not your fault. Uh, but uh, yeah, sorry, I made that three-hour-long yeah. Japanese Murakami movie. Uh, but I so I I finished this last night, and I I just keep thinking about it. It's a movie that as soon as it ended, even though it was three hours long, I rewound the beginning to like rewatch some of the first scenes and i was yeah. like just like uh skimming through it rewatching scenes to try and like understand what is being conveyed here um because a good chunk of the way through i was like i'm not totally sure i know what this movie is about like i'm enjoying yeah. it uh yeah. i find myself getting completely engrossed in some of these conversations um but like, what is it getting at? And I, and I, I do feel that I understand what what it's getting at, um, which we'll, we'll we'll get into. But um, but yeah, I really enjoy this movie. It's it's pretty slow. It's very contemplative. It is just about the the. It is just focusing on the conversations between characters, um, characters getting to know each other and understand each other's perspectives. Um, it feels like a mostly humorless movie, uh, which yeah. makes it a little harder to to get through. I think um, if you're you're a, kind of an impatient person like I am, um, <laughs> but yeah, this is sort of like the other side of the coin of like the very visceral and you know the things that sort of tend to be with Japanese culture of like things sort of being kind of extreme and big, but like yeah, this is more like. This is meditation, if I've ever seen it on on screen. <laughs> we get a we get a character Koji who talks to. Um, sorry, let me pull up the character names here. Uh, talks to our, our main character Yusuke, uh, and he says that he always appreciated him and his wife's scripts because it felt like they had a 
paid attention to the finer details and it feels like that's what is happening in this movie it's all about like the finer details and like spending time with details um it's based on a murakami short story or or a few murakami short stories i think Um, i think the director was kind of pulling from these different sources uh, even though it's just named after one but um it really felt like watching this it I came away from it wanting to read the novel, <laughs> like, yeah. uh, and I didn't realize it was just a sh- like a thirty-page short story. Um, but yeah, like, what, what what did you think of Drive My Car? Yeah, I was gonna say I um, was curious about what your uh, history with uh, Murakami was because uh, our friend Max gave me some, you know, a couple of novels back in the day, and I read I think like Dance, 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 and uh, The Wind Up Bird Chronicle, and like really enjoyed reading them but a lot of the themes sort of just flew directly over my head and I, I'm not sure if I've ever seen a film adaptation of any of his work before if there are any adaptations of his work there probably are there are he's just yeah. such, a, yeah, such a prolific writer I know there's probably tons but this is the first one that I've seen and yeah and I, sort of just to cl- clarify the mention I said uh, a little earlier about like other Japanese culture I, you know, on this show we've covered like a lot of Godzilla movies and talked a lot about like like those movies um, being commentaries on, like just like that nuclear past and like those uh, just a commentary on those atrocities and like those World War Two incidents and everything like, and I think movies like Drive My Car represent like the other side of the coin on something like that where instead of it being like oh like we're gonna make a commentary on nuclear war but we're gonna do it with kaiju's this is like we're gonna make a commentary on loss and grief and this is gonna a movie that is going to feel like that it's gonna feel like you know, it's like, uh, I don't know, sort of an exercise and sort of impatience and discovery and like, I don't know, it's just a much more tender and softer sentiment, but f- but from like, you know, a-, a culture that sort of, you know, is dealing with these things in, di- in different ways. And I don't know, the, like the road trip to Hokkaido towards the end of the movie, I just thought it was so gorgeous. Like by the time, like, like the, I love the stuff with like the play and like f- sort of pi- like figuring out the enigma of like what is this movie about? What is happening? Like what is this guy doing with like these actors and like this whole play within the yeah, movie? Yeah, I'm not. I but, wasn't like, familiar with Chekhov before this. So. Yeah, and yeah, and so like a lot of the movie is like those scenes happening and like I don't know the movie sort of using that dialogue to sort of uh, communicate themes, but when the movie takes a detour from that sorry, spoilers uh, in the third act and goes on this drive to Hokkaido I was just like this is like just like a nice break from all of that just like stress at those actors tables and just be with these two characters and just view these landscapes and like just I don't know just go through Japan and get to this like snowy you know climax that we'll get to but yeah it's this is a very strange movie it's very elusive it's very coy without like what it is and, but once you know the credits show up 40 minutes into it. Yeah, I always show. love that. I love a late <laughs> yeah. opening credits. <laughs> yeah, ballsy, really badass. And I don't know, it's it's gorgeous. I think, yeah, I, it really surprised me. And yeah, there's a lot to say about sort of just the, the uh, emotions here. Yeah, the late opening credits. So, uh, yeah, okay, we're going to spoil this whole movie. You know you know what to expect, people. <laughs> um, yeah. But Sorry. Um, <laughs> so like... <laughs> I was thinking about and then and therefore storytelling, which is always something I kind of come back to. And I think it's something I need to evolve my perception on. (laughs) But (laughs) but um, I was thinking about that. And when when his wife dies of a brain hemorrhage or a cerebral hemorrhage, um, because it just felt it feels like there's no causation for it. There's nothing building up to it. It's just a random occurrence. It's just something that happens. And I was thinking about like, okay, how does this fit within my understanding of how like storytelling should function and i was thinking to myself that like well this is we're still establishing kind of like setting we're still establishing the circumstances that for the rest of the movie occur we're still in act one you know uh we haven't established like what the driving action is yet um and so i think that when you're in that realm that's when it's okay to have these occurrences because the rest of the movie the rest of your story is going to be how to how to how do the characters deal with these things in a way that then has to make sense? Um, yeah, totally. And so when I saw those credits at 40 minutes in, I, I it felt like a confirmation of that for me where I was yeah, like, yeah. yeah, see, now we've concluded, like we've, we've established <laughs> where we are. Now the rest of the story can unfold. Like this, the actual storytelling can take place. Um, 
And so, uh, and so, yeah, it wasn't until act three that I felt like I really, if there is an act three, I don't like, I don't want to break it into thirds necessarily, but like, it wasn't until, uh, closer to the end that I felt like I was understanding what this movie was saying, which it, it, it is just, it's exploring regret and how we move forward. And yeah. so the actor Koji and, and also like, how art and the way we interact with art can help us uh, come to these realizations or help us discover ourselves. And so um, the character of Koji, this young actor who is uh, performing in, I gotta look up his name again, Yasuke's uh, rendition of Chekhov. um, You know, Yasuke tells him, you gotta let the text uh, show you something about yourself, you know? Uh, yeah, he says specifically to yield to the text. Yeah, yield to the text. You know, don't don't make the text yield to you. Yield to the text. Um, and yeah, he's saying that you're going to learn things about yourself. Um, and so after his wife, uh, Yusuke's wife, Otto dies. Oto? Oto dies? Um, he goes back and he performs Chekhov and we see him have a breakdown backstage. And cut to, you know, Ko- Koji, this young actor is playing the role he's he's yielding to the text and he's starting to uh, to really give a proper performance and this is an actor who when he was first cast in the role um yusuke mentioned that he uh he had run into some trouble and koji says like oh i was framed like he said he brushes aside oh, i was framed for something mm, yeah uh but now, Koji, ha- having unlocked this character, having uh, yielded to the text, having potentially learned something about himself, he is confronted by the police for attacking a man, <laughs> and he immediately confesses yeah, yeah. to it. He compl- immediately owns up to it. Um, there's no lying. And to me, that felt like kind of tying into this element of you know regret and moving forward. Um, yeah, yeah. and like kind of finding honesty through artwork um, that's cool yeah and, didn't catch that that's great and then yeah at the end we have uh, so, so which forces Yusuke to then take on the role he he has to play Uncle Yanya is it Yanya? Uh, Vanya? I, I think <laughs> I only have read it <laughs> uh, Vanya is how, is how I thought it was uh, Uncle Vanya that's right yeah um and we've been watching Yusuke practice lines in the car with his wife's voice. He's practicing for the role of Uncle Vanya. His wife is playing opposite of him. Yeah. And by the time he takes on this role at the end of the movie, he's acting across from a woman who communicates with sign language. So the voice of his wife has been removed. Um, he is acting opposite silence. And it is, this is all occurring when he is owning up to the fact that, you know, his wife cheated on him. And if he's being honest with himself, he wishes that he could see her again so that he could scold her for it, so that he could berate her for it, because he never got to uh, release the anger that he had built up inside him before she died. And he feels robbed of that. Um, and so it's like, he has this regret, he has this shame. Um, and it's like, how do you move forward? (laughs) And so I think it's really poetic that we end the movie with him acting opposite a woman who is voiceless when he has been practicing his lines opposite his wife's, his dead wife's voice. Um, Yeah. So yeah, I, I I fucking, I I keep thinking about this movie and I keep trying to like figure it out and like unlock some of the stuff that's happening here but yeah, yeah i fucking definitely. love this movie <laughs> yeah it's it's fantastic and i think yeah there's just so much to really unpack about just how the relationships sort of play out and i love the fact that there's this whole idea of um him like having this deep connection to his car and so early on in that first act like there's this moment where we find out he gets his glaucoma diagnosis and yeah. then his wife Oto is like driving him around and he's just like sort of like criticizing her go hey like eyes on the road and kind of like mentioning stuff and clearly just like very controlling and in that and then 
yeah, death happens, and then he's sort of put in this moment of like grief and having to move on. We jump forward two years ahead, and then he gets this gig, his residency, and then they assign a driver to him because mm-hmm. there was a tragedy the year before, and because of that, you like you have no choice. You have to have this driver drive you around, and initially he's really against it, but she's a good driver, she's great, and then you know they, their relationship sort of is fine at that like surface level, but then it gets even deeper once you know he is basically starts to connect with her in these moments of like explaining everything kind of like hey like, you don't have to wait outside of the car you can be inside of it and like you don't wait outside in the cold and as their relationship gets more uh, i guess intimate or like uh yeah it's more of like a uh, father daughter kind of connection because he basically even says that their dead daughter is like the same age as well, yeah. she would be and so there's kind of like this whole connection of like moving on by like sort of allowing her to sort of take over this driving like this driving role and then just like also they go together and sort of like share their grief and sort of have this uh, catharsis by like smoking inside of a car together and I don't know there's just like so many great like images that are like there to like uh, yeah to illustrate what's happening on like the that deeper level and yeah it's just it's just like such a poem of a movie it's like a cheesy way to fucking say it but like this is like it's just so fucking poetic and quiet and like it's just it just really draws you in and the, like I think having yeah the character like the character uh, using sign language is another really powerful way to sort of uh, highlight the way that we all like communicate with each other and just connect with each other and yeah when she's like there's a moment uh, inside of the dinner scene once they sort of reveal that the uh, one of the producers his wife is the actual actress and she's just like you don't have to like give me special treatment or whatever just like just talk it's okay like I might not understand things and I don't know just like, like that's just like a great line for that character and I feel like now I'm rambling but yeah I think there's just so many great things no, no. about this movie and uh yeah um I think what you said is really poignant and yeah I think yeah just I'm really attached to just the way that yeah the, the, the car comes into play which is how he is allowed to let things go and yeah, in a really, really gorgeous way. And, like, something I picked up on, and I don't know, like, I almost want to watch it again to make sure I wasn't imagining it, but, like, when they're driving together, him and uh, his driver, uh, Misaki, uh, at the end of the movie, they're going to where she grew up, where there was this landslide. Um, we're often, we keep cutting to uh, a shot that is looking at from behind the car like uh like we're looking at the road pulling away from us you know as if the camera is looking out the back of the car um and after they get to uh the side of the landslide where you know misaki blames herself for her mother's death um you know she comes clean about that uh she lays flowers down on the side of where their house used to be and Yusuke comes clean about like wishing he could braid his uh his late wife um then we we get to see the car moving forward we get to see out the front front window of the car and so we're looking to the road ahead um and so that to me yeah it was just like a metaphor for like you know how do we acknowledge our regret and then move forward um yeah yeah so yeah i i feel like i want to watch it again uh it was yeah no definitely i really like this one um yeah one thing i think this movie also does really well is the fact that it um it does like one thing sorry let me rewind uh one of the common themes in like murakami's work is like sexuality and just the way that sort of sex is used a way to connect people mm-hmm. and here it i think is done in a way that is really strong with way in sorry, is really strong visually in the fact that uh, Oto is, like, on top of him while they're having sex, and she's dictating the story to him while he has his arm over his eyes, and he's sort of just, like, clearly has just, like, disconnected from that. And even they've established that, like, yeah, she tells him stories when they're having these intimate moments. And in the morning, she sort of, like, asks him details about this and again, but then when this happens, he doesn't really remember. And well, I think... So there's a, I think he said she doesn't remember it. He has to tell her the story again uh, yes yeah 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 but then there's morning after this happens she asks him like hey like what, oh like, yeah what's that? And right. then he's yeah. like I, sorry, I don't remember and then he like gets his laptop and just like walks out and then 
all of the movie continues to progress, all of those things happen that we mentioned, and yet there's this moment where he's talking to Toji inside of the car, and, like, he's like, hey, like, like she finished that story. Yeah, and then that he, like, scene was he, insane. Like, <laughs> yeah, he, like, he just proceeds to tell him the story, and it's, like, the fucking, like, this this climactic moment that is just playing out this one shot, like, two shots, basically, yeah, one on yeah. Toji, one on the other guy, and it's just basically going back and forth very seldom. And, it's and they're basically looking into the fancy. camera, too, the whole yeah. time that they're talking. Um, yeah, it's just so fantastic. The way it's like, by the way, like she finished that, and just like the way that it comes in, I think it, I think it ties into um, a way that Murakami crafts like mysteries into his narratives, and there's a big part about like you know trying to f- solve a mystery, and like like people like you know, literally like I'm just trying to get solid information about like someone disappeared. I'm just trying to find out what where they went or whatever. And so here we basically. Where he have, we have sorry, we have a similar mystery where we're trying to like find out if this is something that she's been doing specifically with him or with other people, and like I don't know, like the summary that he comes out with is uh, that uh, Misaki says like maybe it isn't something that was love related, maybe she was just doing it. Yeah. Well, I also yeah, and I, and I was also trying to read into I don't know if this is something you picked up on, but like in the story, in the conclusion to Odo's story. Uh, it has this girl, so this girl's going into this guy's house that she has a crush on, and she like leaves a, leaves something behind, takes something every time. Um, yeah. And then the last time she's there, she's like masturbating. A man comes upstairs. It turns out to be a burglar. She grabs a pen and stabs him in his left eye. And Yusuke has developed glaucoma in his left eye. So I was yeah. wondering if there is some sort of something there for me to read into. <laughs> uh, but I, 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 that's not something I formed a conclusion about. Just a, just a detail I picked up on. Yeah, that just might be one of those details that I think it, it is there, and it does, uh, like it, it is there for a reason. Yeah, and it, it is very much indicative of their relationship. And I, when the movie started off, when she's having sex with the other person, I thought it was uh, Toji, but yeah, it's that's not. It's someone too, else. Yeah. Yeah, and that's I think one of that, the things I rewound for. I was like, "Wait a minute! Like, was I imagining that?" Or... Yeah, I, yeah, and I just love that. Like, it, this movie has just like those little small mysteries within it, and when we like re- some get revealed and some don't, I think it's just really fun to sort of experience that along with just this whole widespread just uh, con- like contemplation and meditation on yeah, moving on and just like you know how we connect with each other. And yeah, I think. Um, I wasn't quite into the character as Misaki at first, but then she completely won me over because yeah. she's really like she's pretty cold throughout the, the entire movie, which is like I don't know if that's like a like a tough probably a tough thing to do for an actor you know, to, to be really reserved and to have a lot of emotion sort of behind that. And I don't know, she's just really great at the moments of like when she's just like very much ten and two eyes always on the road, but then there's moments where she kind of breaks and turns around and stuff like that and it says a lot yeah everyone's while. yeah like when she just chooses to look in her mirror at the person she's talking to and stuff yeah yeah um i also saw another reading which i haven't invested too much thought into but i think is interesting where um so a good chunk of this movie takes place in japan and the person helping him produce uh chekhov is korean and he has his korean wife playing a role in the uh the play um so some people were trying to read this in terms of like as a political movie uh and if we're looking into the themes of like like regret and moving forward like is there something to be said here about um you know the role of you know japanese imperialism uh and then like the atomic bomb and stuff um so I think I think there's interesting stuff to dive into. I haven't really dived too far into it, but um... well, the almighty Wikipedia says the movie was oh, really? originally going to be set. The movie was originally going to be set in Busan, South Korea, but was changed to Hiroshima because of COVID-19. Okay. Yeah, and um, I don't know if you know too much about Busan, but Busan is like a quote-unquote kind of like party city. Like, it's, mil- it's like a lot of military presence in Busan. It's like on the uh, southern side, of, like so the southern peninsula. Hmm. It's not quite like I went to the island of Jeju, which is more like this is like a resort, Hawaii kind of place. But Busan's more like Vegas, kind of like when we st- when we stayed there the first time, we were in the fucking red light district, hmm. and like yeah, Bu- <laughs> like Busan is, is Busan is like a trippy place. It is like a very like 
commercial and big and like I don't know it, like having the movie set there would have been so different than having it be in Hiroshima and Hiroshima I took a note I was like all these buildings are like white and sterile which says a whole entire another thing about the relationship between Japan and Korea and all and like in America and the West and all of that and I, I don't know there's just so much like great stuff in just the visuals of this movie that are there within the history and all of the shit going on yeah um anything else you wasn't wanted to mention on try my car uh no yeah i wasn't expecting to like it as much as i did i really thought the use of like i don't know how deep they were going into like the multilingual part but i just because it's all subtitles but yeah it's like it's interesting of like putting on a multilingual uh production of uncle banya yeah in japan with uh, korean actors and i don't know i just thought that's just such an audacious thing in this movie sort of uh depicts it very uh smoothly and it's never like it is convoluted in a way where it's like you have to sort of pay close attention to figure out what's happening but i think once you sort of understand like the performance and the dynamics it's a little bit easier to sort of uh sort of be in their energy yeah yeah um what have you been watching lately um that's a good question yeah i wanted to mention uh ready player yeah. one because i know you said you've read the novel you've seen i've read it and right? i've seen it yeah yeah so that was a movie i was thinking about a ton while i was re-watching west side story for the second time because i was like I, I yeah this new spielberg is really fascinating to me because yeah uh ready player one is like like I, it's a funny movie it's a really like fast pace and like big spectacle of a movie that I don't know like I think it would have been a fucking mess in lesser hands I think Spielberg has like just the proper amount of clout to get just the perfect amount of IPs in this movie to have you know dinosaurs and King Kong and you know Akira and all this stuff like be in there and also he's able to sort of recognize the emotional beats that are necessary to make something like that work um uh, what, did, what do you think about that movie? Um, I didn't care for it. <laughs> I didn't like the book already. Um, and then I think I think it was like a movie pass movie for me. Um, okay. But yeah, I, I read the book and I remember thinking to myself, there's a cool adventure here. It's just a fucking poorly written story. <laughs> and like yeah, the characters yeah. are annoying. Um, but there's like a cool adventure to be had. And like the thing I did like about the book is that like... So think about, like, you're reading a fantasy book, and every piece of, every character, every, I don't know, anything that exists in that world, you <laughs> want to know the lore. You can, like, you, you'd be like, oh, I want to know what the lore is behind this. If, if you ever have that thought about anything in, in like, a fantasy book, uh, the, th- the cool thing about Ready Player One is all of that stuff exist in real life <laughs> like yeah. so it's like oh man i wish i knew more about pac-man oh wait it's real and i can interact with it uh, yeah, yeah. But like that is kind of the cool thing about that story um but yeah i feel like so when i read the book i was thinking to myself oh this movie can solve a lot of these problems and when i saw the movie it felt like it just introduced new problems uh i still <laughs> okay, okay. yeah i still <sighs> <laughs> yeah, that's a fucking mess. I, I, yeah, it's it's just like I don't know a, a spectacle of IPs and just you know just a lot a of a lot just, of WB. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. If I, I appreciated, like you said, like the story and the journey, like the sort of video game journey through it, I, I thought that was really cool. But yeah, I don't know. It feels like it could have been much worse which i don't know if that's like a good thing to say about it uh, but like what do you think of the whole shining thing yeah i thought that was great <laughs> i thought that i thought it looked cool i thought like i when the sequence was formulating as it's happening in the movie i was like okay this is a cool detour and in a cool way to address like this fandom in a really like in a, in a way that i think is like a homage for spielberg and a nice yeah. way to like elevate this because in the beginning it's kind of like He's just like rattling off stuff like, oh yeah, like Duran Duran and like yeah, Pac Man. It's, it's kind of just like a laundry list, like Golden Eyes. Like yeah, like this is the shit that this is like an algorithm shows the the top shit. Yeah. Like, you, like this is like this, like you are not saying much about your personality by saying your favorite game is Golden Eye. I'm sorry, but like but when they get to the part with the shining, it's like okay, it's like yeah, you step into this like horror world away from this like 
candy-coated stuff. And it's like, oh, yeah, some of these nostalgic things are, like, really gripping and awesome in our pop culture for a reason. And to have, like, these kind of adolescent characters who are, are kind of annoying go into The Shining and kind of be afraid and shut up for a little bit is kind of cool. They don't shut up totally, but it's like, <laughs> like the moment where the, char- the character's like, I'm mad at you for not seeing The Shining. Those are, like, a really good laugh for me. And I just, like, I just think, yeah, Spielberg is good at doing spectacle. And I was just thinking about spectacle a lot, about, like, West Side Story is just very big and it's like yeah uh, ready player one is even bigger and it's just i don't know in lesser hands it would have been an unwashable mess but i think spielberg is like the right person to like to sort of keep keep a lid on it just enough for it to be somewhat functional and somewhat coherent yeah i don't know i just i wish like i could remember like more of what my thoughts were when I after I'd first seen it, uh, I'm struggling to remember For things. Sure. I do remember thinking, like it's weird that this is all just about like people fighting over a video game, <laughs> yeah. like control over a video game. Because like, because oh, okay, because that yeah, that's one of the things that they lose from the book to the movie is that in the book, uh, the Oasis is also a place where like people go to school. Like you can yeah. you can go to a uni- you can go to a university where you're ta- taught by the best professors because it's all taking place in virtual reality. You can go to yeah. like a concert of any musician you could dream of uh, because it all exists there. And so you, it's it's way more than just uh, you know a video game. It's it's it, it serves <laughs> way more utilitarian purpose in in yeah, the yeah. world that it exists within. Versus the movie, it really does just feel like it's an MMO, uh, and that corporations are <laughs> willing to kill people for. Uh, yeah, and it's just filled with just yeah, just the most vapid cash happy yeah. fucking big things you can imagine. Um, so, um, have you you haven't read uh, Ready Player Two? Oh no, <laughs> I've seen so I've seen excerpts been, and I was like, oh. yeah. So it's been viral on Twitter for that, but the climax of Ready Player Two takes place on a planet that is in, like inhabited by it's like a prince planet it's like a, a prince themed planet and the person has to fight like different versions of prince okay <laughs> <laughs> uh. same give that to spielberg you'll do a great job i think if you if you just let spielberg direct the prince planet i think the mo- i think the did world get, will be in a better place did he did like the, did the writer get permission from prince's estate <laughs> to do this like it feels. No, I don't. I don't think that's so. when it just feels dirty. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's bad. like, and then yeah, I, I called I, up my friend Bruce Lee to come fight Prince with the PP Seven. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's bad. But um, moving on to uh, to better things, I finished my speed run of Better Call Saul. Um, yeah, so all four first four seasons are available on Netflix. Season five comes out on Netflix in like April second uh, or something like that. Um, I think it's really, really good. I I might be liking this series a little bit more than Breaking Bad because it doesn't have. I think just the entire cast is just so great, and I think a lot of the storylines are uh, I don't know more punchier and less like excruciating and less painful. There are there's like drama and there's like that same crime aspect to it, but it's not as like excruciating as watching Walt's family fall apart. Yeah. It's it's a little bit more fun to see. Uh, Jimmy slowly becomes Saul and in season 3 and 4 it's when it that transition becomes concrete where he clearly changes over and I think I'm so looking forward to watching 5 and finishing it with 6 but I uh, just want to mention that and then uh, did you watch the Batman this week? I have not, no okay. yeah. yeah, I feel yeah. every movie out right now is like 3 hours long and so I don't blame you for <laughs> not it's just been, it this week has been fucking crazy for me so sure. yeah. but uh, did you watch it? Yes, okay. uh, me and my dad saw it on Friday night. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I think it has probably my favorite Batman scene from a movie okay. ever. Um, won't spoil it what it is, because I hope you get to experience it without being spoiled, but probably have at this point. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't think so. It's, so. Yeah, it's just something that happens in the beginning that okay. I think is really great. But yes, uh, I think it's great. I think it could be trimmed down. Like there was like a whole like, oh yeah, there's a little like a Riddler post credit scene. But I was like, no, they could, cut twenty minutes off the movie, and I'll stay for. You know, <laughs> right, so you didn't scene. even stay for but that. Yeah. I mean, like no, but, like I like I watched for like a, a fair amount of the credits, but me and my dad were pretty tired yeah. by the time that movie was over. Definitely like drags on towards the end. 
Um, but yeah, that's about it. Uh, yeah, I just mentioned Ready Player One. What have you been watching yeah, this week? Yeah, for me, it's like, like I said, it was a pretty chaotic week. Uh, I was out for the weekend. I'm going out again for this weekend. Um, and so I haven't watched anything. <laughs> any any downtime I had was, if I wasn't watching uh, West Side Story or Drive My Car, it was playing Elden Ring. <laughs> so Yeah. Hell so yeah. yeah, still doing that. Um, I beat the second uh, mandatory boss, I think. I guess okay. I guess not counting. I think Godric is probably the second. So I've beaten. I think her name's like Raya or Rana or something. Okay. You know okay. I haven't about? gotten there yet. Yeah. I haven't gotten quite there yet, but I have. I've I've made a big jump like over the last two nights to where, at least. Oh, okay. This, this, I was thinking about this. I was like, how do you like? Do I say this without, without like spoiling. completely spoiling things? I don't want to be spoiled about. And so I've I've and I also don't want to spoil it for the listeners because I know I got some out there. Um, <laughs> I've hoisted a medallion, so I've definitely have I've gotten hoisted a medallion. I have hoisted a medallion. <laughs> I don't, you know I don't what that know means? what that means. No, you don't know what that means. Okay, so I've hoisted a medallion, so some things have changed, and so characters are moving around. I haven't beaten that person you mentioned, but I've beaten. Yeah, I did Margaret Godric did that one two thing and cleared most of the catacombs I've come across. Okay. My katana is a plus seven with holy damage. This is, slicing through things. I have just, a plus whew, 13 just, <laughs> uh, oh my God. great sword. Jesus. It's like a, a very early sword that you get from like... That's insane. From like the first... Like literally that first uh, band of soldiers and they, they have like the two big carts with like the chests on the back. One yeah, of them yeah. had a, a, a like a, some sort of great sword and I've just used that the whole, <laughs> the whole time. I just keep yeah, leveling yeah. that up. I put... Uh, some sort of holy thing on there too so it's like my my special power is like it launches like this sort of a wave of holy energy and then oh, see, yeah, that's great and then yeah and then my my sword looks like it's on fire but it's actually like this like holy energy and then since i'm doing a faith a character who's like spending a lot of points in faith it's like pretty fucking strong um damn so yeah i'm having a good time with that yeah i finished the uh, Academy of Raya Lucaria is what I'm looking up. And then yeah. now I'm in, I think it's called Kara Manor or something like that. Um, uh, I haven't heard of those things. Um, Karia Manor, yeah. No, I haven't done that yet. But like, I went down to the southern peninsula of like traversed through Kaled, but I haven't really like killed oh, yeah. anything yeah, or I, done anything i was like really. i'm getting the fuck out of here <laughs> yeah except i just got the, the piece of the medallion that okay. i used to hoist oh, to take me somewhere else okay i do have two parts of a medallion yeah i got at one part i don't know where the fuck i got it and then i got another part from some woman in a cave maybe okay okay and then <laughs> that, might be, that might be something else but i haven't <laughs> done anything with the medallion i don't think so okay yeah, like I used it to sort of just like continue to push myself north and to kind of complete okay. as much as the map as possible. But yeah, like I haven't done any bosses, main bosses past okay. Godric, I don't think. I also just realized last night that every ruins area on your map has a little uh, like cellar area where you could fight a boss and get like treasure chests. Um, right. Oh yeah, yeah. Those little yeah. yeah they have little, I I I've experienced a couple of those, and then the other day, um, I think I found an invisible floor in one, and then I saw <laughs> nice. someone on Twitter talking about like, oh yeah, I found one with an invisible floor, and they were like, someone else was like, where is it? And someone was like, the place where you would expect uh, the seller to be at any <laughs> ruin site. And then I was like, at any ruin site, like they all have these. So then I like yeah. went to every ruin site I ever found and like marked them off to like if I if I'd done them. So that's I awesome. fought like yeah. three more bosses last night. <laughs> ah, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. yeah, there's just so much. It just keeps it just keeps going. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> there's, there's just more. There's always more math. Yeah, I just keep just yeah. Probably like sometime in April, I'll I'll have it finished. I, I'm pretty confident. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's funny. Yeah, seeing people online just talking about beating it, and I'm like, yeah, I believe it. Like, I absolutely. Someone said they beat it in less than an hour. 
Like the yeah. speed people are speedrunning now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, people do. Yeah, speedrunning community. This, sorry, the speedrun community. They're 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 great. They're fantastic. So yeah, they're already doing it in like yeah you know, under an hour, which is unfathomable. But <laughs> good for them. They're, they're it's a unique talent yeah. to be able just to find That's those that. exploits and, and do a thousand backflips into a corner and disappear yourself across the yeah. map and <laughs> glitch yourself through this game. I, I, if that's the way they get enjoyment out of it, sure. <laughs> I imagine a lot of that that time is spent not being, not having fun and like ruining a game for yourself. <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm like, yeah, I'm just taking it slow. Like I keep hearing about things, but I'm just like, I'll get to it when I get to yeah. it. And yeah, I've had some moments where I've like I've gone back and redone things because I've heard about them so many times yeah. and just wanted to, to experience it. But I, now I'm just like, okay, fuck it. I found the uh, guy with the wolf head that you see in a lot of the loading screen art. Okay, yeah. cool. Um, and, like, the way you find him, I'm not going to spoil it, but it's just like... It feels like one of those things where it's like, I would not have figured this out in, unless I had looked at a guy. Uh, yeah, yeah. Or, like, either you, like, accidentally figure it out or yeah or or you look it up i don't know for sure yeah it's cool if i yeah uh, it'll happen i'll probably get to the point where i start googling stuff but right now it's still like i'm doing just the right amount of exploration and boss fights at my own pace to where it's working out nicely yeah that's Cruising it through that's it. it for me yeah cool all right yeah next week we're going to be talking about don't look up in Dune. Dune so yeah, yes. looking forward to to that conversation. But yeah, this has been episode seventy six of Vague Zone. If you would like to contact us, you can email us vaguezonepod at gmail If you have questions, comments, or concerns, or movie suggestions, let us know. You can tweet at us at Twitter at Vaguezone. Let us know what you think about all of these great Oscar nominated movies. Yeah, looking forward to watching these next ones next week. Yep, I'm Thomas, and I'm Daniel. Catch you on the next one. Cool. Oh.